I know you got fired up about the comments or just the sentiment of, well, you're just a nurse. And you leaned into to that to, to, you know, create something positive from it. Yeah, I wrote this monologue about, it's just never okay to call yourself that. Like you're a lifesaver and that is where the period ends. And I think yeah. it kind of was a turning point where people saw, okay, they deserve a lot more respect. Obviously, I'm sure you've seen the Halloween costume and things like yeah. that, but those types of things hurt our profession. To be able to say like, yuck, and get away with and get rid of all that crap and be able to put nursing on this pedestal that it deserves because of the intelligence and the job that we do felt really good. We are back uh, on Behind the Scrubs uh, today, and Nurse Kelly is with me in the studio, um, MSN, RN, FMP, uh, former Miss Colorado and Miss California, uh, Miss America runner-up too, by the way, uh, Chief Nurse Advocate at Wanderley. Uh, you are a keynote speaker, a national spokeswoman. Uh, an athlete, you mentioned this actually right before we got it. You are an athlete. I'm, as a side note, I'm, I'm a huge fan of student athletes. And I know you, you played uh, volleyball through college. Uh, you are heavy into, uh, you know, social media marketing, influencer yeah. marketing. And um, my personal favorite, though, is you're just an exceptional human. I think you're an exceptional human. I really appreciate that. You know, that definitely trumps everything you could possibly do, like on a list of things, right? Yeah. No. Well, I'm uh, I'm super pumped to have you. Uh, super grateful. Obviously, I know you got a crazy busy schedule, so I appreciate you taking the time. And you know, how are you doing? I'm good. Well, first of all, I'm very thankful to be here. I've been looking forward to this. This was a very easy yes for me. Like we emailed a couple of times. I was like, of course, I will come on. This will be so much fun. But it was so nice to meet you and to be here. I'm very thankful. Thanks for having me. And I'm doing really well. It's I'm in that weird funk of like we're a week after like the holidays where you kind of forget like yep. even what day it is and like what you're wearing and which way is up so i'm just kind of getting back in the swing of things but i'm doing really well i'm happy to be here well we're happy to have you and it is a new year uh lots of uh, lots of possibilities out there in the world for all of mm -hmm. us uh so fired up for that and uh it was great to actually it's kind of rare i don't most of my guests i don't get to meet in real life before they they come mm -hmm. on the show which i was uh, fortunate enough to to get to meet you in real life and uh that's it was so obvious man you're just like so authentic so genuine so kind just such a real human being uh getting to meet you in person and um everything that you're doing out there in the world and obviously in our community of healthcare and nursing specific is, is just absolutely amazing so so props to you for everything that you're doing and you know i, I want to kick things off with like your story, which I learned a lot more about because of, of Houston and the healthcare mm -hmm. staffing summit, um, is, you know, you have a very powerful story is how I, I guess, label it as far as like why, uh, you became a nurse. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know you also mentioned that it's, it's so important to understand why uh, someone becomes a nurse and what's their, their story behind mm -hmm. it. And yours, uh, obviously started when you were like super young due to, mm -hmm. uh, some, family adversity kind of tragedy or with your, your dad at a, at a very young age. And, and that ultimately inspired you and your sister, uh, to become nurses. And yeah. so, um, which I'm super glad, uh, you did, but tell, <laughs> so you. just, yeah. So, so just to, to start there, uh, you know, you're yeah. obviously, I think you said you were around like four years old at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and with what, you know, what happened and, and kind of what the, the background is there. I always tell 
every nurse that I meet or nursing students very specifically that you have to, have to, have to keep in your back pocket and remember why you became a nurse. And I say this in every speech, but it's because nursing gets really hard. And I think we have these like lovely rose colored glasses that we wear when we're first starting out or when we're nursing students, because it's fun, you know, some clinicals can be really fun and we get to kind of go to the job and then leave the job and go back and study. And, and it just, it seems like you're, you're just so excited to take care of people that everything kind of has this like wonderful gloss over it. And I just say, always remember why you came into it because if we're being very real and authentic about it and transparent, which is a lovely buzzword, but it's yeah. on, it's honestly, it gets very hard and especially through COVID, it got very, very difficult for people. And so to remember why you became a nurse is so important because usually the reason why people go into this profession is truly to take care of people, but there's usually a really nice reason behind it that is something very meaningful for them. And so on those hard days when you can remind yourself, hey, this is why I did this. This is why this means so much to me. This is why this matters to my family. This is why this matters to my kids. This is why this mattered to my parents is what will keep you going through those moments. And so for me, yes, my father passed away from colon cancer when we were really little, I was four, and we just had excellent nursing care. And at the, at that time, very specifically to what, 26 years ago, gosh. But at that time it was like, you know, nurses and doctors had a very specific, and there's so many more people to the healthcare team. I, I do not mean to leave anyone out, but this was just my little baby Kelly yeah. experience. They were so different when communicating with my family and I was younger, so I don't remember everything, but I've even, I've heard stories and things like that. And it seems pretty consistent is that the doctors would make their rounds and they would absolutely be fantastic at treating my father. But when it came to my family, just that extra, and, and nurses just have more time to do that. They're assigned to us kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not, I don't believe that, you know, any of those physicians didn't care. That's not what I'm saying, but we just, we had such a connection and so much more time with our nurses. And they just, they were able to, like I said, at the time they called my mom outside of the hospital and they were able to, they knew like where I went to school and what I liked to eat when I would come and visit. And they would just, they cared, they took it to such an extra level of care that I don't think anyone else was incapable of doing, but that's what our experience was with them. And when you're so young and you have that experience from these specific people, and then you grow up and you have the choice of what you wanna do, it's so easy for these sorts of experiences to shape you into the way of like, these people were there for me during the worst time of my life. Now I want to go and be there for other people. And we were CNAs even in high school, my sister and I. So it was kind of like we were so on this nurse nursing path that it yeah. was never a decision because nurses all the time get asked, well, why didn't you just go to med school? And it's like, there wasn't that decision for us. And th that's what I would like also the general public to maybe understand a little bit more is it's never, well, maybe I won't say never, but it's, it's rare that a nurse like chose between the two. It's because they want to pursue nursing. They are very different professions from the core of their job description. And that's okay. We need both and both are fantastic jobs. But it's like, there's, there's, for us at least, there was never a decision. It was just nursing is what we were meant to do. We loved, definitely loved both of us, math and science and anatomy. And it's just kind of, and then we had this experience that was so meaningful for us that we wanted to do that for other people. But it's like, yeah, I just tell people, you've got to remember that because there is nothing on the hard days, nothing that will get you through like your own personal conviction and feeling of purpose ever, in my opinion. 
So when you like now, like obviously when you reflect back on your, your childhood, um, you know, what are like the new insights that you've been able to gain or obtain maybe rather, um, that, uh, you know, you about yourself that you've learned. I was always the, the like motherly figure, but also the athlete. So I wanted to always take care of, of people. I was always curious when someone got hurt. I was always curious, you know, what we're going to do for my sister who scraped her knee or broke this, or this happened to my mom, or why are you taking that medication? You know, I was very curious about just kind of medicine and people and I wanted to take care of people I hated when people were upset I very vividly remember my sister and I getting in this argument where one of us was holding a remote control like ready to chuck it at the other <laughs> sister like we have siblings like let's yeah. be real like we've all like and we couldn't do it like I think I had something in my hand I think she's the one that had the remote we just it's just not like it wasn't we could never bring ourselves to cause harm and I think it's just kind of who we are and how we were raised but like we didn't have it in us and boys are different like you guys probably just pummel and that's just like boy language like my sister and I were just we couldn't we were we were always the ones that if someone got hurt wanted to help we were the ones that turned away from the fist fight on the playground like we just that's just kind of who we both were and so that was really I think for me kind of steps that just show like that's just kind of my nature and so that's probably maybe will lead me to the right path but it's also just truly who I am as a human being like I like I don't like when people are sick I don't like when people are injured still to this day I'm the one that wants to know how to fix it how to make you feel better and how fast can we do this and I'll go get it for you and, and what what do you need kind of thing and then being an athlete it's like I I was an athlete. I played volleyball since I was 12. So I had that com that competitive aspect too. And the way that that served me is like, I was, I was an okay student in high school, but I was valedictorian in college. And the reason I was, was because nursing school was so difficult, but I was, I took it so seriously and almost competitively to be the best nurse I possibly could be. And that was not against my fellow nursing students. It was against myself. But I thought if I'm going to have people's lives in my hands, I want to be the most safe and the most competent I could possibly be. I do not believe it is necessary 10 years later to be to have straight A's for 10 semesters straight because I redshirted my freshman year, 10 semesters straight to be a good nurse or competent nurse. I don't believe that anymore. Jeez. But at the time, yeah, at the time though, I'm like, I this is what I think will be the best to serve me. I don't want to mess this up for my patients because nobody messed it up for us. And so that's how my mentality worked. But yeah, I think both of those things I just noticed in myself how, how I can be the best nurse and why I want to be a nurse. And it yeah. was just kind of meant for me. Yeah. Where, where does that drive come from? I think honestly, my sister told me before I started nursing school, if you ever want to get your MSN, your master's of science in nursing, those programs are so competitive, especially at the time you need to hold a really, a really high GPA. And then I was, I think goody two shoes maybe isn't the right <laughs> term but teacher's pet absolutely is and it feels good to have people tell you that they're so proud of you to have straight A's in nursing school like it was really well and then also I was the captain of my volleyball team so not that and I don't mean to say that in like a conceited way I just mean like I had other especially like new yeah. new people coming into the program and new and unlike freshmen and sophomores looking up to me and it was when our coach would speak about GPAs or speak about off the court culture I wanted them to know that their captain could was absolutely living that lifestyle i wasn't it wasn't just words i wasn't telling people we need to go to study hall i wasn't telling people to get their shit together be on in academics to be able to play because i just didn't because i you know i just wanted them to be better and not do it myself like i was absolutely walking the walk and so for me that was just it was important for me to be an example, but it was also important for me to truly to be just the best nurse that I could possibly be. And I wanted to hopefully get my MSN someday. And at the time I was being told that was super competitive. So you had to be good, you had to work hard. And 
I don't know if that's necessarily still true now today. There's a lot of programs that will probably take most people, but that's, I was just not fed that information at the time. That just sounds like so hard. So much discipline must, must have been required. I mean, so much grit and like resolve, like, uh, and you clearly crushed it, obviously. I mean, you know, from you. Uh, athletics to your school to nursing, all that. And so you became a nurse. And so now you're a nurse out there providing patient care, positively impacting uh, the lives and the family members of the lives in, in need. And then um, somehow you get into uh, the pageant world. Uh, yeah. how, how did that play out? And what, <laughs> what I, one of the things, well, and I obviously, I guess I, I kind of already know because I've heard, I've heard a little bit of your story before. But yeah, how did that play mm -hmm. out? And really, I, what I, one of the things I was curious to ask you about that is like, what was that like? What does that look like behind the scenes of being like a yeah. pageant contestant? Yeah, well, so like I just said, I had worked my butt off to become a nurse. And so I had no intention of leaving the nursing profession immediately yeah. as I'm starting it. So I passed my NCLEX. I'm becoming a nurse. I have a full-time nights um, ICU, CTS ICU position offered to me. And that's kind of what I'm assuming my life will look like for the next couple of years. I accept the position the whole bit. And then, yeah, I just remember getting a notification about Miss Colorado being a pageant that um, was offering scholarship money. So everybody that was competing was going to get scholarship money. And Miss America is still the largest scholarship provider for women across the entire globe. So it's really just an opportunity. I had so much debt. So and keep in mind in all of this, like with volleyball and with nursing, I was also working because, yes, I had scholarship, but I went to a D2 school and then a Lutheran NAIA school and neither could offer housing and things like that. And we didn't have a ton of money. And my parents are fantastic people who worked super hard but it wasn't really in the cards for me to just have all this, this sure. extra cash so I also worked and so I was doing that and yeah I think it was just I had all of these things like going for me and I had to do all of these different things and so I had to spend a lot of money and I had a lot of debt and so I I wanted a way to pay that off and so when pageantry came along and they said you can get a scholarship I was like yes please because there was no one paying my bills and I you know it's like I my nursing job was more money than I'd ever even seen in my life you know and I thought this is so great but it was still so intimidating to have such debt and so I literally just competed for the scholarship money and I thought I can go home and I can I can walk in a swimsuit and I can just I can be in a dress and I can do those things like that's that's just existing I can do that like great and that is not to put down anyone who's done pageants believe me now as a former pageant title holder it is a lot more complicated than that and I give you the respect but at the time that's what I really assumed it was so I competed for Miss Colorado and I got my I literally had no idea what I was doing and I can I got a dress off of Craigslist and I had to borrow a swimsuit because it was I brought the wrong color and yeah, my talent was me giving a nursing monologue that it's never okay to call yourself just a nurse, which I still very much so believe you can Google it if you want to hear it. But it's just, I just kind of like made myself a contestant. I didn't actually, I'm being completely honest, like super prepare. And it was because I just really needed funding and then I won <laughs> and it was like my whole life changed and yeah then I was heading to Colorado for a year and not, I was definitely leaving behind nursing it's very much so a full-time job um like crazy full-time and so yeah it was just my whole life changed immediately and like three months later I was at Miss America I mean it was just crazy I literally competed for funding and and pageants are fun for sure I mean it yeah. wasn't like I was dreading it by any means but I didn't I had I wasn't ex super experienced by any 
by any means. And I wasn't, um, I was not the girl out of the 40 women yeah. that competed, who's done it her whole life and who had, who had prepared for that specific moment for a year. And so part of me had a severe imposter syndrome when I first won, like, why the heck is it me? Like, this is crazy. And then as my year went on and I realized kind of what the job was, which was a lot of school visits, a lot of talking with politicians, a lot of community service, a lot of philanthropy, a lot of 5Ks, a lot of communication with the public, a lot of explaining what our organization does. I realized, I think the judges maybe really maybe liked me or at least wanted me to be Miss Colorado because I, of my resume, probably they could tell I was a dedicated hard worker, but when, and I think they wanted the representative that could go out in the community and be who I am as a person and maybe as a public speaker. And they were able to kind of separate that from and I think they said to themselves, like, this team at Miss Colorado will get her ready for Miss America, whatever they need to do to refine her talent, refine her dress, get her a new swimsuit, obviously, all these things. But we think that as a representative, the job of Miss Colorado maybe is too important to all of these little impressionable minds that could be listening to her, these little kids and these adults and these conversations that she'll be having, how much access she'll have to our community. We think those conversations are more important than swimsuits and possibly dresses and all of these things. So she'll, she'll go and she'll do great at Miss America and she'll have fun, but we need a representative in Colorado that's a little bit different. And I think that was the first time in a long time at least from what I can see where that that truly trumped it. Because if you look at the contestants I competed that year, they're amazing. They were fantastic. And so it's like they, it, I, I just believe that in interview, I won them over with this sense of, I will take care of our community. I will do right by Colorado. And I think the rest of the competition didn't matter at that point. I want to go back real quick and then kind of yeah. tie it into kind of one of the things you mentioned there too, but is we kind of just skipped over it. Um, and I want to highlight it and acknowledge like your actual specialty C T I C you right. So for those of people that aren't familiar with that, I'll have you explain it. Um, but that is a highly, advanced ICU specialty, right? I mean, that is up there in the acuity. Um, that is not easy at all. There's nothing easy about nursing. Um, there's, but that is highly advanced. I'll just leave it at that. And you can explain what it is and then tie that into like, I know you got fired up about like the, the comments or just the sentiment of, well, you're just a nurse and how that made yeah. you feel and, yeah. you know, and, and how, how you leaned into to that, to, to, you know, create something positive from it. Yeah. So I remember, and I hope that some nursing students who are listening, take this too. I remember everyone telling me you'll never be an ICU nurse right out of the gate. You're not smart enough. You don't have the experience, yada, yada, yada. And I just did not accept that. And my final preceptorship in my senior, could you, could you guys imagine me being defiant, me being like, <laughs> no, thanks. I'll do it my way. Can you even imagine me doing that? No, but I was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't believe you. Yeah. And so I worked my booty off in my precept. Yeah. I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. So I worked my booty off my preceptorship. That was nine months in the ICU, my senior year. And I made it, I just really worked hard and I showed that manager, this is what I can do. Like I would bring all of my like medications. I would bring anything like if I had just done, you know, any sort of cares or whatever, I would like make sure she saw it and not in a way of like, here, check my work and being in a teacher's pet in those moments. Those moments are too critical to like worry about that kind of stuff. It's it's way above that. Like that would be foolish, but it was more so like, I want to show you, I can do this and like check my work, but also you can see that I, I believe I'm competent and like, I, I respect you and your experience. And so I would like your feedback, but I really worked hard on that. And so I, yeah, I applied for the CTS ICU, the cardiothoracic surgical ICU. So we did a lot of open hearts, um, 
And you would see it's like it's a very specialized ICU for very critical patients who have had some sort of heart surgery and open heart surgery. It was all adult for me. And it was nights. And it's yeah, it's a big deal. You have I mean, people who have any sort of heart condition or, or thoracic condition or have had their chest opened. Yeah, it is. It's very critical. And so but I wanted that's what I wanted so badly was to be to be ICU right out of school. And and yeah, and I loved it. And then remind me what your second question. No, was. So go. So I just wanted to kind of set that because how how hard that is and that sure. specialty is insanely acute and difficult yeah. right and yeah. then so then fast forward you're going through the process back to you know to, or you talked about it about and like oh the the sentiment of well you're just a nurse oh yeah right? yeah, yeah. yes well that just was crazy to me so i when you're on your way to so i had competed in like some tiny little local pageants and before and i like it was just like, and I mean like four or five people in a church in my life, like not like <laughs> at all, like Miss Colorado and I'm being dead serious. Yeah. So when they're like, what are you going to do for talent? I remember I was like, I have no idea. Like, shoot. And I played volleyball my whole life. So yeah. yeah so I just, but I decided if I'm going to, cause I had this weird feeling and I don't know if it was, it wasn't like confidence and it definitely wasn't like this, uh, this feeling I was going to win, but I had this feeling of like, just, this is bigger than me. And I didn't yeah. know why. And I couldn't, obviously none of this made sense till now it's, you know, eight years later. But I remember thinking like, this is just bigger than me. And if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go home and my family's going to come and people I know are going to come and I'm going to have an opportunity to be on the stage as big as Miss Colorado, because it is one of the bigger pageants in Miss America, then I should do something that's really meaningful. And then I took it a step further and thought, if I were ever to win Miss Colorado or win Miss America, and I said this on Ellen, I, and I meant it, I want to do it being myself. And I am, I'm a nurse, like to my core, yeah. my life is this and, and volleyball, I would say it too, especially at that time, but my life, I'm a nurse. And I, if I'm going to win this, I don't want to win it pretending I can play the piano or learning a song to sing. I want to learn. I want them to know this is exactly who I am. And this is exactly the Miss America that you'd be getting if you choose me. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I wrote a monologue about it never being okay to call someone just a nurse. And I just heard it so many times in nursing school. I think it's changed so much since even that time. But I'd heard it so many times in nursing school. Just I'm just the nurse or, oh, well, I'm just the nurse, but the doctor will be here tomorrow. And it was like, I think there's a way we can say, and it, it would drove me crazy every time it happened. And I'm an advocate to my core. Like when things aren't fair, maybe call me petty or maybe I'm I'm a complainer. Maybe, I don't know, but I hate it. I hate if things can be fair, I believe they should be fair. And I just don't think that's like crazy. So I, yeah, I hated when they would say that because I would watch these nurses who would go and like push very scary meds in a, in a, like in a code after just administering CPR, like true badasses that absolutely saved lives saying, oh, I'm just this. And it's like, oh, it drove me nuts. And I'm like, there's gotta be a way that we can phrase this where it's, I am the nurse. And in addition, the person who is able to do that under their job description, the physician will be here tomorrow. I just hated the word just because I felt like it minimized how incredibly intelligent Nurses it's are. I ridiculous. It. It's preposterous. Yes. It's all of that. Yeah, I. It agree made me insane. And I, nurses yeah. themselves would do it. It was actually pretty rare when it was another employee, or like another yeah. healthcare provider. It was typically the nurse, and so it just drove me crazy. And I would catch myself even doing it. I would say, "Oh, I'm just the nursing student," which, in that sense, it's slightly different because we're not employed by the hospital, and like I, that sense is slightly different. But also, I don't. Want, I want to empower nursing students that you are there to also make a difference. You have a lot of skills or you wouldn't be on the unit that you wouldn't be allowed on that unit if you weren't prepared and had the skills to be there and to learn from that nurse. So just like, I just believe it's a very belittling type of language that we use in a lot of different areas in life, but it, it really felt icky to use it for nurses who I see, I see you save lives. I see you make a ginormous difference. I see you being specifically because you recommended that med or you recommended that procedure, or you recommended whatever it might be, that next care to that doctor, whatever it is. 
that being the reason that person survived or had this outcome or did this or t or spoke again. I see you being the reason that patient who we thought was going to die was able to FaceTime his family. Like I, they just, so the just really bothered me because it was like, no, you're literally making such a difference. And so, yeah, I wrote this monologue about it's just never okay to call yourself that, like you're a lifesaver and that is where the period ends. And it, I think it sparked totally, especially after Miss America, but this movement where nurses really felt like, okay, things like, you're right. And like, they had this new swagger almost where it was like, wait a second. Like, yeah, yeah because, and I don't, I don't believe many other people were putting that on us as much as we were ourselves. But I do believe that there were, there is a lot of, of at the time, this was also eight years ago, where in maybe policy or procedure or administration where nurses were kind of left out of those conversations, those really high level conversations. And they weren't necessarily invited to, to have a seat at the conversation about something that really affected their job and really affected the nursing position at that hospital. And that really did bother me. But I think yeah. it kind of was a turning point where people saw, okay, they deserve a lot more respect, but now they're going to start demanding it. So what do we do from here? And also let's include them more because yep. maybe we've been looking at this the whole wrong way. And I think, you know, the, there's a lot of factors that also played into that. Like, obviously I'm sure you've seen the Halloween costume and things like yep. that, but those types of things hurt our profession because they play into this idea that we're not healthcare professionals, but that we are sexualized or we're X, yep. Y, and Z, but it's whatever the X, Y, and Z is, it's definitely not, it couldn't possibly be this incredibly intelligent healthcare prov provider who's absolutely essential to safe and effective patient care, it could be that she's a sexy nurse. And so to be able to say like, yuck, and get away with and get rid of all that crap and be able to put nursing on this pedestal that it deserves because of the intelligence and the job that we do felt really good. One thought, let's clap it up, Brad, behind the scenes. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you on all that. And one of the parts of that, uh, the, like your story that, um, I love and want to acknowledge you for, and, and is that like, you had mentioned like, um, after Miss America, you, you were like the second runner up. Uh, so you were bummed. Mm -hmm. You're like, you're, you're mm -hmm. disappointed. You're obviously highly competitive, uh, human. Mm -hmm. And so you were bummed. And, you know, shortly after you got a call from Ellen, which you mentioned, you're obviously on the yeah. Ellen show and then uh, something leading up, I think you can correct me where I'm wrong in this, but, uh, is, it was, I think it was before you went on the Ellen show, but the, the view hosts like started like ripping you apart and the, all the other uh -huh. contestants that were on it. And, and I think, which is so phenomenal and it's amazing is that you took all that negativity and that adversity really just negativity spewing venom at you and the contestants and, and everything is then and you and you leaned into that and turned it into uh an, an advantage by creating uh nurses unite i think if that's what mm -hmm, it's called mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which i thought was amazing to like you know take that negativity and turn it into something good well thank you so much for saying that it was so crazy so i was on my way to ellen because of my top five answer so a lot of people have asked me you know ellen had you on because of the view and i'm like no ellen had me on because of my top five answer i was already heading there but then of yeah. course the view happened that morning so what happened basically on the view was they they asked why i was wearing a doctor's stethoscope and there were some other rude comments made about what i was wearing and what i've said out loud but that was the one that really got to nurses is why is she wearing a doctor's stethoscope when obviously this is our main medical instrument we are more than qualified to know how to use it and um 
and for it to be it's like it's a, it's our main instrument where we make the majority of our our judgments when it has to do with someone's respirations or their heart or whatever we can hear you know whatever it's like there it's not even just something we like know how to use it's something we yeah. use so often that we're actually making clinical decisions from using it so it is yeah it was just like wild and that it just seemed it was so ignorant for lack of a better word it just was yeah. and it sparked this really crazy media tour for me because everybody was so upset and I think the reason I was able to take it from something that was so negative because it every nurse that was upset absolutely had a reason to be upset the only reason I of course when I heard the comments I was upset that like I don't think it couldn't affect you in any way because it's it's upsetting it's there it's really icky to hear that but the reason I didn't I didn't have maybe the same reaction with such passion is one I was in this role of, of still as Miss Colorado and that's just it's, it's it wouldn't I, there was no way I could publicly get all crazy and super angry right that's just part of the image and that is just I think obvious but also I was able to see it from this perspective where all these nurses were messaging me and my phone was like dead because I had so many messages and all these nurses were like in support of me and angry at the view but also like coming together on their own units and taking these photos together and having their like the doctor would be in the middle of all the nurses and she would have like all their stethoscopes around her neck or something like that I mean it was just the photos that I was getting I could see the bigger picture which most of those nurses from the day to day did not have that clarity right they're just really yeah. mad at the view and they're like nurse kelly what are you going to do get them back get them back and i'm able to see like like 25,000 people reaching out to me being who and what i'm seeing is them being unified over this really horrific these comments and so i'm able to have to have this vision and so what i did on those television shows was go around and talk about what we really do and, and educate people on why those comments were so horrible but also being able to share that like hey all these nurses are having this this same feeling the same kind of new first of all new confidence in our profession because everybody nobody was like oh yeah darn doctor stethoscope people were like no hold yeah, on a second like, like hell no, no this yeah. Isn't, yeah everyone was like yeah. that's not at all what i'm gonna accept yeah. and i especially i think nurses knew we work too long and too hard to take that like wh why pick on the most humble profession and a profession that spends their lives taking care of complete strangers like that's who you choose to bully that's wild to me so i'm like no 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 but i'm able to see it you know, in my account, because people are reaching out to me, I'm able to see the whole picture. And so I was able to use it as a very teachable moment to turn it into something good. Also, I think dwelling on it or like sitting in the in the angry and or fooling that fire would have absolutely served nobody. It doesn't it doesn't serve a purpose. But what does is educating people on why the comments were bad and then moving forward, kind of the general public and, and also really letting people know how serious our job is and what we do and why it matters so much. And all of this, these other things that we can spend our time talking about instead of just being angry at people who very obviously who have shown don't know what we do but also don't really care to know what we do and so we don't need to spend our time convincing people we need to spend our time educating those who will listen and continuing to stand up for ourselves and protecting our profession and so that's on that media tour that's just what i chose to do no well i also i, I guess that brings me to like one thing you talked about and i know it's something i think now like with what you're doing uh currently um or part of what you're doing currently is is really advocating about like the clinician experience right that's a mm. a, a focus uh for you now um and something you talk you talk about and so like mm -hmm. with with that in mind like what is like the the biggest uh, challenges you see that mm -hmm. um is uh, preventing 
us or whoever's involved in creating a better experience for clinicians at the bedside. And well, of course, being mm-hmm. empathetic to them, acknowledging them and understanding what they're going through, but just creating mm-hmm. from a, prof- a profession standpoint, you know, a better experience for them. I was so honored to be asked to speak at SI and especially under the keynote of of the clinician experience and being able to stand up for travelers because I knew when I was walking into that room that I could, I, I, I knew that I had an opportunity in front of me that no travel nurse has. Like, if you really think about, I walked in there in front of all of these CEOs and executives and incredibly high level human beings of these incredible agencies and companies that hire traveler clinicians. And I was a nurse and I had their full attention and I could give a keynote. And I was like, I am not going to waste this because it's just very rare, right? It's very rare. Like I was saying, we have to fight for our seat at every conversation, we just do. And so to have that opportunity, I was like, I'm not gonna mess this up. So I actually pulled, I believe it was a hundred travel nurses through various communities and channels and, and group chats and texts and obviously being at Wanderly, I have plenty of access to our social media and, and our influencers yep. but it's like I, I pulled them and I asked them you know what what do you need from me and what what can I tell them because I, I have some ideas but I don't want to get this wrong for you so I asked them and honestly the majority of the responses were the cancellations through COVID were brutal and just no either no help with the cancellations or no um no notice or it just like funding for um, like just how, how do I get home or how do I get all my stuff that I just moved here now that I've been canceled home? Just that kind of stuff was very brutal, which I'm not sure what we do about that, right? COVID's not over, but it's not the same as it was. So I, I don't know if that's fixable, but I think making sure people are aware of how seriously severe those cancellations really affected people's real lives is important. I also think um, housing was a huge one that most people brought up, which I I was not even aware of. I, that was one I wouldn't have said, so I'm so glad I asked people, but finding housing, having some recruiters help you find housing, having some um, resources for housing. And then the issue of people have this idea that travel nurses make so much money so they can raise their rents and be and it be really expensive. But the feedback that I was getting is they're not afraid of spending what something is worth or spending maybe higher than the average person or, or another or maybe a staff nurse, but they're still there has to be a limit because they were have it was getting so expensive even the yep. majority of travelers i pulled couldn't find something that they could afford and that's you know a little bit crazy and i think um yeah there was there was there were other reasons that i mentioned too i think the clinician experience of having the recruiters understand them as human beings and i think we yeah. talked about this a little bit too but the, the the who will win in this travel nursing industry who will win whatever company doesn't matter if you're big or small I think, uh, well, I take that back. Sometimes funding does have a lot to do with things and we can put it that way. What I mean is if you're in the middle ground, right? Like if you're if you're maybe on the smaller side of agencies, but there's like a, maybe 500 of them that are that small or whatever you want to put it there, who will win in that race is retention. It's not nurses that sign with you once. It's nurses that want to keep coming back with you and want to keep working with those recruiters. And the only way you're going to get them isn't buying them a coffee. It's not sending them a welcome gift. Those are wonderful. I'm sure they love that. But it's really getting to know them. Make sure you know their family, where they want to go. Why do they want to go there? Do they have pets? What are they traveling in? Call them on their assignment. Check in. Be available. But also make sure that you really know them from the standpoint of, of I care about you. Not just knowing you know the specifics you need to know to get the contract in and send it in. But I really care about you. Are you okay today? Is yep. this working out for you? What can I do differently? And like really making them feel like you care and that it's especially if something goes wrong that you'll be there to fix it and you won't leave them and say sorry that didn't work out bummer especially if it's a cancellation or maybe they didn't get extended and they're super upset but not that you're just there and like i'm so sorry but like you really they can see you actively trying to help 
that is a, was a huge feedback that I received. It was like, I just, some of them felt like a number or, and they did not feel like they had a great experience, but they weren't really able to do much about it in that assignment, but they absolutely left that recruiter and that agency for the next one. And so retention is key. And if you, yeah, I think more resources, more recruiter commitment to really caring about the nurse and getting to know that or the clinician and getting to know them and really being there for them in ways that they can see that are tangible I think it's it's gonna just change the game. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. You you hit on a lot of things. I I will love to uh, jump in and share my perspective, but obviously this show's about Please. you. It's not about yeah. me. No, but I, I uh, but I, I do. I'm gonna hit not on you, you. Touch on so many so many important things. Um, and it's so funny is I think the if you if you zoom out, it's like okay, you're as as an agency. I, you know, I've been a part of multiple company startups, building them up, growing them, exiting M and A, etc., whatever, all that. So it's like a, a huge part is like are are you playing the short game or are you playing the long game, right? Are, are you, are you in this, you know, for, uh, the finite uh, ROI return? Um, are you, are you, are you playing the game for legacy? Right. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, uh, if you're playing the short game, you're playing for profits. Right. And so the status quo, I literally, sh- I literally shared this message quote and Brad can fact check me on this later, uh, with the, the with yeah. my morning, my morning, morning team huddle. Um, this morning is like, is, uh, don't, maximize for profits maximize Mm. for retention of Mm. relationships Mm -hmm. and and so it's like yeah it's like it doesn't matter if you're small big in the medium it's like well what are you playing the game for are you are you are you playing it to maximize profits or are you are you Mm -hmm. playing the long game and to positively impact and leave you know somebody and and build a legacy and for me on relationships are so important it's like it's literally it's like it's about ror return on relationship Mm -hmm. it is not about ROI that is not the game that I play it's not the game that we Mm -hmm. play but that is very normal the opposite of that the status quo on our side and so yeah I'm not surprised I know I hear this all the time too but you're you know from what you the feedback you got is like they don't care about me Mm -hmm. they're just I'm just a number to them you know like just trying to get that next commission or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. unfortunate it's um you know but it's uh it's creating opportunity for you know for for other people that do do actually care to to be able to come out of that and and build those relationships and retain Mm -hmm. those those clinicians those nurses and work and work with them you know on and on again but um i do mm-hmm. I, I think really at the end of the day it's like you know you know, putting in the effort to the relationship and that mm-hmm. will have a massive positive impact on retention mm-hmm. as you were talking about i totally agree with you i mean I'm, i just a, an idea or i mean a instance just came to my mind as you were saying that because there so and first i'd like to clarify too that this does not mean me saying this that like the nurses need to be cared about and they are the sharp star of the show none of that means that the recruiter and them making a good living and them being happy in their position doesn't matter that is not at all what i'm saying we have fantastic sure. recruiters their experience and all of this absolutely matters what i what i am saying is that the traveler is in the vulnerable position right they don't go into the office and work their job and then go home they have 13 weeks all in these different places this is their true livelihood it's usually yep. away from friends and family there's usually so the stakes are just higher is what I'm saying and so but I will say to that same point is that the travelers though we can't we can we've all worked I'll be really mm-hmm. honest we've all worked with a tough traveler we all have yeah. where you're just like yeah. okay you know we do our best and we just like we but there's also so many fantastic traveling clinicians that so many they way out trump the bad ones but bad is probably whatever yeah. whatever anyway you know what I mean but yeah. um they the, those fantastic ones and for example we had one gal who's in Denver right now with, and she's with her recruiter and she's been with her company for a really long time. The same recruiter, right? She's L and D she's in Denver. The only 
she she wants to extend doesn't get approved for extension by the hospital sad 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 super tons of tears it, it was really it's very sad situation well we found her another position but she'd have to switch recruiters and switch agencies and even though she was that devastated she was willing and called us and said no i'm willing to miss this next 13 weeks or continue to look for a different assignment possibly even a different state to keep my recruiter and to keep my agency she was literally wow. willing yeah. because of her loyalty to how wonderful they've been to her for five years she said i would rather have this time off and maybe be a little dip a little bit into my savings than possibly have a poor experience with another recruiter that's how much one bad experience can affect a traveler and that's how also it's in reverse that's how amazing a fantastic experience can affect it and i know it is going above and beyond, but just as much as that recruiter has probably had her back in those five years, she didn't exit. She didn't go to, with another recruiter, even if it had just been maybe one assignment or another agency. She said, no, this is where my loyalty lies. This is how I've been treated. And so it was an incredibly symbiotic relationship where the recruiter also probably seriously benefited it. Because what if she went to the other company, had an even better experience, you know, just probably not, but like if, yeah. if that had happened and all of a sudden she doesn't go back to that recruiter and that recruiter had, you know, dedicated this five years of this fantastic relationship, that would have felt like you know a door slammed in your face but instead she's like no good people serve good people and good people stay with good people and that's what i'm gonna do and i just i know it's not always as sunshiny and rainbows and butterflies as the way I, that specific story but i think it's a testament to retention will win in the long game and keeping your nurses is not just a really high paying job in a nice location a lot of people are offering that so if that's what you think you're going to win through it's you you have competition but what you probably you may not truly have competition in is if you know that human being better than any other recruiter agency will know them and the, if the ways that you can also then work for them in those specific areas that are individualized it just it makes the difference it really does 100 percent. and i also love your perspective on um the uh like the high touch uh as far as like with with the recruiter the dynamic between the recruiter slash agency relationship with their nurses and like yeah this era in time with technologies and platforms and all that becoming more and more relevant to, to the experience uh for the travel nurse as far as getting finding jobs and getting hired but um it's i mean maybe it's the old school recruiter and me from way back in the day is like yeah there's still a, a a huge uh i guess need uh desire for most nurses to to have a relationship have a connection with their recruiter and and to still have those 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 weekly check-ins you know once really once they get on assignment on, on assignment right and they're on their contract and and there are there's nurses that are like hey you know what uh if i need something i'll reach out to you absolutely there are those nurses absolutely. but i would say that mm -hmm. the, the majority still you know they even if even if you don't talk to them they want to know you mm -hmm. care by those 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 high touch totally. weekly check-ins mm -hmm. once they're on assignment and i remember your perspective absolutely that. and that 100 and that same nurse that's saying like oh no it's good i'll reach out to you if i need something is will also be the same nurse though who may not talk to you <laughs> yeah, for 10 yeah. weeks and then all of a sudden extension time starts rolling yeah. around and she needs it or he needs it and they're not extending or something goes yeah. wrong and then they're like i need you so much thank you for always being there kind of thing yeah. so it's like you never know truly when they're gonna kind of like do the circle if they are yeah. and need you again but it's when they really need you if you're there for them is yeah. what truly makes the difference and and i'm not naive to any of this too yeah. i'm very aware there's there's so many clinicians right that maybe don't want that relationship or truly just like need the recruit or, or maybe have gone from a different recruiter and agency for every single assignment they've taken and that's not important to them but i would say the majority of people truly in the facebook groups group chats and instagram messages like the huge communities that i'm in of travelers it, they do they do stick it out at least for as many assignments as they can until maybe they specifically really cannot like whatever reason that might be and it's like that 
matters and that a good yeah. experience really matters. And it's probably because you fought for them in a way that they really needed you or really were testing to see if you had their back and you did. And that's like all that people are totally asking for when it's not, I mean, I think it's also like, I, I am also aware too and not naive to the fact that there are also agencies that have a ton of pressure on some recruiters, especially if they get a very big contract with whatever hospital or whatever system or account that they need to fill those positions. And yeah. I understand that that can, that pressure can also, that exists. And I don't think that maybe clinicians even understand that sometimes you do need numbers to fill because you need to keep a contractor or a client happy. And that's just part of it. Right. And I think having yeah. that conversation is, is totally okay because that does exist. But I think in any way, even in that, where it is the hustle, it is the, we have to move quickly. It is that we need to fill these positions. Like let's go is, is okay to acknowledge. And also in that same moment and same breath, being able to still try your best to make it individualized, slow down enough to just ask the questions and to just make sure that they're comfortable. Like even if you are moving quickly, a couple quick texts to check in, a couple quick yeah. texts about resources with housing. Even if you have a template of things, you send them in like a welcome kit, but something that makes them feel, yes, we moved quickly. Yes, this is a quick start. And you're maybe in your guys's mind or an agency's mind. I've had, we've had to have situations like that as well. Maybe in that moment, they are considered a number because there's a contract that needs to be fulfilled. I think that's normal, but to make them from person to person, not feel like that is a choice that we make. And I think the more oftentimes that we make, you are a person to me and I know your experience really matters, even when it's, we got to move quick and there's a lot of pressure on us. I just think it makes a difference. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I just got to I gotta echo the housing thing because you, you said it twice. And it's like, dude, housing is literally one of the biggest pain points totally. for the travel nurse experience mm -hmm. uh, right now. And it's kind of crazy this day and age. But it's like really at the end of the day, mm -hmm. nurses want they want safe housing and they want mm -hmm. they want reasonably affordable uh, housing, you know, in, in, in mm -hmm. a good location in terms of where their facility is. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. And that's that honestly is I when I think it, what is like one of the biggest problems facing the, I guess the travel nurse experience in our industry for, through the lens of the nurse is the housing. Mm -hmm. No one, nobody solved that yet. Right. Like nobody has actually right. solved that problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and totally. so, so yeah, he, that is a concern and obviously, yeah, the, you know, transparency, the cancellations, um, as you mentioned all that. Um, and then one other yeah. thing too, I just, is, uh, mental health, obviously, I mean, mm -hmm. the exhaustion, the, the PTSD, all that, um, yeah. you know, are, are, is, is huge. Like how do how do you, um, you know, or what is your view, I should say, on how we can build resolutions mm -hmm. towards some of these problems for the, the clinician experience? What immediately came to my mind when you were even just were saying that is that when, if you're able to see their benefits, right, if you're an agency that offers um, like first day health insurance, if that health insurance includes mental health, whatever that may look like, whether it's therapy or prophylactic or actual, like you can go see a psychiatrist, maybe you need medication, whatever it might be, or even if there's like a mental health um, resource at their hospital that you might know about, or you can do some research into, I think those are great places to start. I don't believe if there's a responsibility, right? I don't think that your responsibility as an agency or a recruiter is to, to is to handle someone's mental health, right? That's their health. That's their, um, especially, you know, you can't be, that's their medical record, right? We can't always be a part of it. But what I think the travelers are saying is is this is really, really difficult. So number one, please understand my experience. And number two, please believe me. If I'm telling you I'm exhausted or I'm burnt out or I have PTSD from this situation or I need to take an assignment length off because I can't do this anymore, please believe me. And I don't think it's, I think that's as simple as just telling them that on the phone or whatever, if they're texting you, whatever it is in that communication. The issue I think with so much of the 
of the nursing community that we got back as feedback after COVID was, well, you signed up for this. And it's like, there was never anything like this that we were learned, that we were taught about in nursing school or that we learned how to deal with. But in general, it's kind of very similar to what happened on the football field this week. It's like the amount of players and teammates and coaches that you saw be very affected by watching 10 minutes of CPR and having a, a loved one be having to, you know, go to the hospital. And it's, it's a very traumatic experience. Well, imagine doing that for years and years, multiple times a day. It's like, if if they're not expected to continue to play a football game, but nurses are expected to go back, yes, we signed up that codes and scary things and and really bad respiratory illnesses like COVID are are part of what we signed up for. Yes, but the amount and the significance and the and the impact of that many in a row is not what we signed up for, and it's never been it's never been like that before. And so I think it's acknowledging their experience, but believing them, believing that they that this could just be a lot, making sure the recruiters are very aware of that. Also being very, I think being very kind and gentle and cautious about, um, I, I think you guys probably heard the pizza party analogy of the like, <laughs> thank you for, you know what I mean? It's like, they're so frustrated with the pizza party. It's like, they just want, these are human beings. These are not, and that just makes people, I think, feel kind of like, here's a little gift. And it's yeah. like, I'm really, I'm like traumatized by this experience. Pizza's yeah. not going to fix it. And I think it, yeah, it feels to them, I think, icky and it feels yeah, like a slap in the face. And so I just think, on, honestly, on the mental health, the first thing a recruiter can do that costs no money is to listen, acknowledge, and to believe them and to make them feel that way and, and to be that way. Like, if you don't believe that nurses have been through it, you probably shouldn't be a recruiter, to be honest with you. So there's a little bit of maybe homework to do there. But also, I think if you if there are resources, whether that comes within the health insurance package or if there's something at the hospital that you maybe know about or maybe even just a quick check in with them, like, hey, just I, I it's none of my business. Like, please feel free to not maybe share anything you're not comfortable with. But I just wanted to check in with your mental health because you really matter to me as a human being. And if there's anything I can do, please let me know. And here are some resources I found if you feel like you need them in Tulsa or in San Diego or wherever they are. I just think that that could go a long way. Again, possibly even a template you have or like something that's set up in like a welcome kit. But if you call, maybe you walk them through it. Maybe you explain why it's individualized to them. It makes all the difference. But there, I don't want anyone to feel responsible for anyone else's mental health. Cause like I said, that's maybe not their business and that's okay. But I don't think there's any problem in offering resources, acknowledging what they've been through and believing them and also just being there in case something comes up. Yeah, I can, I can feel how like important this is to you. I literally mm -hmm. can. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I saw my cousin and I don't think she would mind me sharing this cause she came on my podcast and talked about it, but you couldn't talk to her during COVID. Like I couldn't, I couldn't ask her, how was your work day without her starting to sob? Like I couldn't ask her even like, like when do you work next without her starting to sob? I mean, she was in charge of like all of the incredibly incredibly intense moments where she's zipping body bags all day long. This was at the height of COVID in an ICU. She was FaceTiming. She was the only person with her personal cell phone helping loved ones who are about to pass away FaceTime with their loved ones at home. She was, that's what her life was, was codes and body bags and FaceTiming and death and illness and being run down and short staffing. I mean, that was her life. And so she's actually, this is a, a, a happy ending to this very sad story, but she became a travel nurse because of her experience as a staff through COVID. And 
she's like right now she's in LA and she's just so happy because it's it, it took so much of a toll on her she's like I, I really cannot do it anymore you can only see this so much before you just can't do it anymore and yeah I think I'm passionate because we can't keep losing really good nurses and many left the profession completely I just literally saw this I just saw someone posted a stat uh, on Instagram the other day a nurse like over 300,000 left in the pit like the last two years of the yeah. pandemic yeah and, and, and that's the thing is it yeah and it's not it's not because they're a fear of hard work or because yeah. they couldn't handle it you mentally can't see that much death and devastation and be okay trauma. and it's like yep. absolutely it's absolutely traumatizing it sticks with you i'm not sure anyone will ever fully recover and so the ones who are still in the profession are absolutely to be commended and applauded but yeah i'm passionate because we can't we are losing really really fantastic nurses at no one's necessarily no one's fault but if we have yeah. resources we can provide and we have ways to keep them in the profession by giving them support we should be doing it for sure and Shout out to all uh, all the nurses and healthcare professionals that had to deal with that, and and yeah, also absolutely. too, you brought it up, and I thought is like I also too want to shout out the first responders and all the help that with mm -hmm. that what happened this week on the field, like mm -hmm. with Demar Hamlin and that whole situation, man, and how they responded and were prepared, and, absolutely uh, everything. And, Amen. And he's he's uh, he's progressing in the right direction, at least the last reports that I that that I've yeah. read. Um, so. Uh, but so let's talk um, before we get out of here. Uh, Wanderly, <laughs> uh, you also are. Um, I mentioned this in the very beginning. Um, yeah. You're the, the the chief nurse advocate for Wanderly. So uh, for those you that say the name exactly kind of like I say it. Like, what does that really mean? Do we know? Yeah. yeah what is uh, so uh, for those that see this, watch this, listen to it, whether you're a nurse or even on the agency side, right? Um, what is what is Wanderly? So Wanderly is kind of a marketplace, I would say. So we host like all of the leading agencies jobs on one platform. So you can compare fully detailed profiles next to each other, which I think is the best part, right? You don't have to submit a ton of information to all these different places to see the same types of jobs. You can also narrow it down to your specific agency or your recruiter if they're on the platform as well. You can search by pay, you can search by um, location, you can search by profession, so that there's, and then you can compare side by side, and they're fully detailed. So they have everything you'd be asking, all the questions, you know, how many beds, where's the hospital, what is the shift, when's the start date, all the money, all the things, location. And then on top of that, we have uh, anonymous chat, so you can chit chat in the little chat box with um, someone, but without giving your information. So you can be completely anonymous and ask questions, whether it be a recruiter or admin, but you don't have to give up information. And then we have one universal app and storage. So you can store all of your documents, your licenses, all your certifications, things like that in one place and then one universal app. So you fill out one application, one time, and we will make sure it's branded for whatever agency you want to be submitted. You can be submitted through the, the platform um, in one easy little quick step. But yeah, so, it's really so what helpful. you're saying, nurses don't want to fill out 17 profiles for 17 different I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know it's what wild. is also really funny? That story I just told you too about the gal who's willing to not take an assignment more than she's willing to leave her recruiter and agency said the same thing. She's like, this, the worst part to me about not being extended, and she was just devastated, is that you have to redo the drug screen, redo the the modules, redo the all the things that she has to do. I think she had to do like so much more than that even extensive, but like the orientation, just everything that she has to, had to do to get the job really takes a lot of time for them as well and so she was just so so bummed about it but it's like that's on top of everything they did to find an assignment so it's just yeah to, to make that simpler to kind of streamline that process and then also they can be submitted through it like through Wanderly just right away um with the branded whatever agency branding 
that needs to be done. So it's really, really helpful. It's really simplified. There's also a lot of just benefits. We have housing benefits on there. We have a ton of different blogs, blog um, authors that are travel nurses and people who will write stuff. I think it's really not only entertaining, but super informative. Um, our blog does really, really well. And now we've cultivated this community of influencers and on social media where it's doing very well, in my opinion, that is is engaged and communicates. But we're going to try to take that to the next level, too, and have more conversations and more ability for meetups and things like that. But I, I think it's a fun, a, a super fun brand that really genuinely does care about the, the clinician. So what curiosity here, what, what brought yeah. you into like you're involved, you're the situation that you are involved with. with yeah. Waterly? That is such a good question. So I think it's like four years ago. Don't quote me. I'm honestly <laughs> like, I don't know, but it's a uh, time flies and you're having fun. No, I, um, yeah. So they asked me to come on as the chief nurse advocate and your guess of what that means is probably as good as mine. <laughs> but at the time, my job description was seriously just like, was that was to advocate yeah. for our nurses to make sure our practices were best practices by the clinician and, and they've stuck to that I definitely have a say when it comes to just making sure everything is is what they they want and that it's good for them that it's always free to the nurse which is still true today and that just everything is what we say it's going to be yep. for the clinician and that that's always at our forefront almost kind of like a checks and balances system but my I don't think our c-suite has ever wavered from that either so I've never really needed that much in the sense of like they they really do feel that way that really is our mission statement they abide by that so that feels great but it's just for me it was started off as kind of just being a brand ambassador and spreading the word and using my social medias to kind of get the word out and then I took on a bigger role when they needed some help in the marketing department which is what I still do and it's very similar to my influencing on the side yep. but I get to actually um like work on our social media content create reels create content and then I write a lot of our blogs and do the blog editing and things like that I get to do a lot of outward facing um whether it's press releases or whatever writing we need on LinkedIn and then um yeah handling for a long time our advertising like paid ads and things like that and now we have a lot more people on board and so it's not it's not all on nurse kel which is so great but you know yeah. through the times that i was doing a lot of that and 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 shouldering it i didn't mind i really enjoyed what i i really like what i do i didn't know i was a marketing gal i'm i'm a nurse by trade but i've really enjoyed being a part of the social media side growing our influencer program writing for our blogs yep. i get to write to my nurse my nurse colleagues and our influencers i get to work with nurses every day i get to create content which is what i love doing outside of nursing so it's like everything i love about healthcare and nursing but i also get to do this really fun social media side that pageants kind of gave me but that i then became i think pretty proficient at through that process and i get to do it in a way that still serves my profession it's really it's just kind of like a weird intertwined way but i I would call myself like a spokeswoman for Wanderly, but also everything you've ever seen from that little yellow and gold circle logo has come. I have seen it or written it yeah. or created it. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. I love yeah. everything about it. Well, uh, this has been a ridiculously good time. And uh, same. so much gratitude for you. Unlimited grat for you really at the end of the day. Um, again, kind of just to end with one of my favorite, my favorite thing of who you are is just you're just an awesome person awesome human man and i just appreciate you uh for that and everything else of course too um now that i've got to interact with you a few times but uh where can people connect with you find you online if if they want to uh, reach out or follow your content so on instagram and facebook it's just um real nurse kelly and kelly is with an ey and then on tiktok it's hey it's kelly 
And uh, yeah, I mean, feel free to reach out. My email is on my Instagram and my TikTok is not the same as my Instagram. I still own Real Nurse Kelly TikTok, but I just feel like if you're looking for maybe a version of me that's that's maybe speaking more to the camera or maybe goofier or maybe, you know, touching some things that are a little bit more spicy than you would on like a very, very business corporate Instagram, come find me on TikTok. But that's why they're different. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, again, uh, thank you so much for coming on today and I appreciate you and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you on the other side. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Bye.